a preview of the book, The Arrowbringer, Chapter 1, Unthinkable. This can't be happening to me. Yesterday I was worried about applying for college. Now I need to start planning my funeral. I feel like I'm trapped in a bad dream. All our plans are a tired family shattered by one single word. Cancer. Dad breaks the spell. His voice hoarse as he puts his arm around me. How can eventually have cancer? Dr. Navidi's brow furrows over his deep brown eyes. Perhaps cursing and solo. Can wait in the lobby, Patrick. He looks towards Dad, who's frozen. Instead, he turns to Mum. Ready? I glance over at my two, my twin sisters. Their faces are red, matching their curls. My older sister instinct takes over. I know they need me. I wait with them. Doctor Need hesitates. I think you should stay, Evelyn. I shake my head. No thanks. I don't want them to be alone. I take each of the hands, leading them gently to the hallway. I sneak a peek over my shoulder, worried about mum, that about mum and dad. As Doctor Nevey closes the door, I don't know who needs to be more. Ever since I was adopted, I promised myself to take care of my family. I don't know who will protect them if I can't. Christine, Shalowo, I sat on the couch in the waiting area and leaned against me. I wrap one arm around each of them. I can hardly famine that. Just an hour ago, we were chatting about dinner plans before my sister's baseball tryouts. Then Kersin and Shalowo had done them a costume teasing because I was working on a project tonight with Sean Lawrence. Oh, an hour ago, I had my life ahead of me. Evie, Kersin's eyes blue and filled with tears, I managed to keep my voice from shaking. Yeah. Mum and Dad are out. She points towards them. My heart sinks when I see that Dad's hair is bleeding red. Mess a telltale sign of bad news. Shoho's eyes are puffy. He looks upset, Evie. Should we? I'll check on them. Stay here. I follow Mum and Dad as they disappear into the stairwell. I stop dead in my tracks when I see them through the small window in the door. Mum is embracing Dad, whispering things as they cry each other's arms. Immediately I understand, I wish I didn't, but my whole life I had intuitions that hadn't been wrong yet. But this time, I wish they were. I'm not going to make it. I don't want to face it, but eventually I won't have a choice. I'll be gone. Christian and Sola were crying again, but he didn't speak when I sunk into the couch. Mum and Dad emerged seconds later, having regained their composure. Evelina, the bum tucks a strand of blonde hair behind her ear. Are you going to meet us in the car in a few minutes? Dad wants to talk to you alone in the garden. Why? Cursing grips my arm. Mum bites her lip, her blue eyes glistening. It's okay. I know Mum hates crying in front of us. Go with Mum and Dad and I right, right here. You need to eat dinner so you can focus on basketball tryouts tonight. No way, Shiloh grabs my other arm. We're not leaving you alone. I don't want to. You, I don't want you to miss it. Miss it. It's important to you, and that makes it important to me. I pull them into my arms, kissing each of them on the head. Yeah, and I won't be alone. You won't be alone. 
I'll be in the library, sure. All right, Kirsten reaches my arm. Thanks, Evie. You're welcome. I love you guys. Love you too. They both replied in perfect unison. Mum hugs me next. You're, you're being so brave. I love you, Eveline. Jean Lee. Dean. I love you too, Mum. I'm completely numb as she realises me and makes my little si- takes my little sisters by the hand. Dad faces expressionless. He hugs me. I didn't ask what Dr. Naveen said because I didn't want to him to speak my fate aloud. As soon as he does, it'd be real. We leave this lobby. We leave the lobby and I find myself wishing I could somehow freeze time for a little while. But much too soon, we reach the garden, built between Dr. Naveen's office and the hospital. It's a place to relax and meditate. Tall hedges bearing roses ro- grow in the centre of the garden, encircling a, mi- a more intimate area lined with beaches, benches. Dad leads me towards a bench and we sit. This place is familiar and comfortable with me. I've always felt at home here. You need to love this place. After each visit with Dr. Levine, you beg me or Mum to stay here, you, bring you here. Dad takes my hand. It was so much fun to watch. We couldn't get enough of you. I give you back anything to go back, even to yesterday. Dad swallows hard. I know, sweetheart. He wraps his free arm around me. You know I'm no good at this. Remember the day you figured out you were adopted? I smile. I was only three years old. Probably noticed I was different. With doe brown eyes, dark brown hair, and tawny brown skin. I still didn't resemble my fair-resembled family. You're sitting right here. I brought it up before you had the chance. You've always been so incredibly intuitive, ever, ever, Angeline. And so beautiful, his voice breaks. Your mother and I are so blessed to be your parents. I'm so blessed to be your daughter. I love you, Daddy. I've loved you since the moment I laid eyes on you. That was the first day I became a daddy, size. There have been difficult times, being a father, but this is the hardest. I can tell by the tone of your voice it's not about to speak the words that no parent ever should have to. More than anything, I wish he, I could save him from that, but I couldn't. All I can do is help him, so he doesn't have to do this alone. I already know, Dad. I know you do. He kisses her on the top of my head, trying to clear his throat several times. But Dr. Bean first noted the irregularity in your blood. He ordered further tests. Dad pauses his voice thick. You have acute pneumonic, no, lymphoclinic leukemia. It will can appear sometimes in sixteen year olds. It's her, is it heredity? Heritage rule? I ask, breaking my rule of never referring to my birth parents. Anger bursts within me. My dad nods. I've always resented it. My friend for giving me up. How I hate them for doing this to me. Alas, I answered the question I've been dreading. How bad is it? A long silence follows. Dad breathing, becoming more ragged. It's serious, Eveline. I funny take a look at Dad. He's obviously a complete mess, but he manages not to cry. How long do I have? Dr. Mean thinks it might be a couple of months. A tear slips down his cheek. 
We've made an appointment for you with an old ecologist on Monday afternoon. Dr. Bean, will you put you on the list to get matched with a bone marrow donor? There are several treatments you can try in the meantime, but they would increase your quality of life. And more than likely, I don't want him to have to tell me. It probably wouldn't work. Dad said nothing. He pulled me into his arms as I start to cry. Chapter 2 The Project By the time a 60-30 rolls arrived, I'm waiting. By the time 6.30 rolls arrived, I'm waiting for Sean at the library. At my assistant, my parents dropped my sisters off at tryouts. I want mum and dad to have a time to come at grips what was happening. As stupid as it sounds, I need to work on the project. With Sean, I need to be normal, at least for a little while longer. Presently, someone parks next to me, and Sean nods in my direction. He goes his things. He walks around to my door, starting startling me when he opens it. Hey, Evelyn. His blue eyes twinkle as he smiles at me. Hi, Sean. I'm glad to see you, despite everything going on. Let me grab my bag. I got it. Thank you. That was really nice. I noticed his blonde hair is moved. His pale skin clothes covered in dirt. Were you landscaping today? Yep. I was uprooting roots, so he has puffing out his chest and speaking in a British accent. Ready to write a thesis about the house he S. Lewis, the Empire's modern day literature. I will literally actually smile. Sean suggested we pick up C.S. Lewis because he's one of Sean's favourite authors. Aside from this, Sin thinks it's ironic that my last name is also Lewis. Sure thing, and thinks about, thinks again for being my partner. Sean shrugs it off, which is his way. You've been partnering with me on projects since we were eighth grade. Thank you, my grades are always, always awesome. Don't go anywhere next year. I want to finish off strong. But I won't be here next year. I don't even know if I have to make it to me. By the time we get to the bookshelf, I'm almost in tears. I try to dodge Sean before he can notice. I'm not fast enough. What's wrong? I pop in a chair, not wanting to have his conversation. So from my family, I didn't open up to people. Sean didn't know I adopted my legal name or that my sister called me Evie. I can't even fathom telling him I'm dying, not because he didn't care, because he's such a nice guy, he probably would. It's not fair for our first real conversation to be about my death. I shouldn't be crying like this. I managed to get a grip with myself. I don't know what, though, didn't knew you that way. I'm sorry. Is that all right? If you want to talk, that's okay with me. You seem like you could use a friend. The word friend strikes a chord to me. The next thing I know. I mind admitting things I never tell my family. I really have a tough time. I just, I'm not ready to. Have you ever thought about death? He soaks in my question a few times. I'm not afraid. Because once I've gone, I don't know it. I won't know it. But I hope I leave the world a better place. I hope I remembered. He falters. Are you going to lose someone, Evelyn? Evelyn? I cannot do that, that to Sean. I know someone's dying. Oh man, he studies me. Want to work on this later? I shake my head. I don't want to be alone right now. He hesitates, pulling a bolt out of his bag. I brought 
the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. It's from the Chronicles of Narnia. Series by C.S. Lewis. My dad read it to me when I was a kid. Ever heard of it? I shake my hand. He didn't read a lot of fantasy books at home, but we should include it. We both head for the shelves, selecting one of Lewis's works, as well as biographies of his life. As we work, Sean makes extra effort to cheer me up. He uses British accent for the next two hours. I laugh so hard that the librarians keep shushing us. Something way along the line, we give up on the project because we keep getting distracted by the line of which and the project. And for a while, I forget about everything except working on a project with Sean for Mr. Siley's class. But all too soon, the library closes and we go, we go our separate ways. Then, just like that, everything goes rushing back. I remember I don't have much lo- longer. My life will be over soon. I won't even remember. Don't even remember it. I won't even remember it. Chapter three: The wrong choice. And the next thing I know, I'm a dream standing on a marble porch. Next thing I know, I'm in a dream standing on a marble porch outside a majestic temple, under a dazzling full moon. Great glittering columns support the temple's majestic roof. Beyond the columns are immense jeweled doors. The doors beckon me. It's like someone I always wanted to meet is waiting for me. But if I enter those doors, there'll be no coming back, going back to the life as I knew it. I'm not ready for that, but I wish I were. Approximately twelve city blocks to my left. It's a shining, splendid castle with gleaming power bits and spires dancing their way into the sky. Huge stone walls protect the entire perimeter. Instinctively, I realise two things. First, I'm standing within a palace city. Second, I dreamed about this palace every night of my life. A breeze envelops me, bringing the scent of honey and roses. I follow fragrance to the left. With every step, this place feels more welcoming, more familiar. And not because I've visited it in my dreams. At last, I, re- I reach a marble enclosure. A wrought iron gate swings open and my touch. I enter a garden about the size of my backyard. Curved benches line the wall, as well as rows like flowers that crest me with a honeyed scent. I approach the centre of the garden. I'm usually standing when the dream ends, when a cylindrical silver pillow, entwined with jewel vines up top of the pillar, lies a glowing, a shining golden arrow. And just like that, I realise I've been here every night, waiting for something. Every night I've forgotten this dream. I've made a silent vow to remember this time, no matter what. Suddenly light swells in the corner, so I'm blinding, so I'm blinding, Blinding, I shield. So blinding, I shield my eyes. My heart beat quickens because I don't think this was has ever happened. When the glow abates, there's someone walking towards me. But he's more than a silhouette against moonlight. Peace be with you, Evie. Indescribable happiness fills with the sound of his voice. It's and if it's like everything I ever felt except when I wanted to enter. Except when I enter the temple, for reasons I understand, I immediately joined to him. When the illumination fades, it's a gold-headed, haired boy with an olive skin and a faint beard. His cover of golden arrows is stuck to his back. His 
clothed in red tunic and tucks into a fired tan leather belt with white trousers and brown sandals. What I can't do most, though, is his eyes. They're honey brown, but sighing and worried of colours. It's reflecting the sunset. A moment of many days. I know this isn't a dream. This is a vision or something, isn't it? Who are you? Did you bring me here? I am the Arrowbringer. You are standing in the palace garden of Karune in the country of Alphenia. He mentions me to come, motions me to come forward. Behold my arrow, which has protected Alphenia well, since the creation 4,000 years ago. This arrow must never be touched unless by instruction terrible consequences would befall Alphenia. Uh, what does this have to do with me? You have been held with this arrow every night since you were a child. Every night for the last year you have wished to journey to Athena when you weren't dreaming but you've never been uh, but you've never been he- here before I prompt Remind- remembering these faults he shakes his head I've been here every time then why couldn't I see you until now I've attempted to speak to you before but you did not wish to hear me until tonight not even did not even remember this dream while well, your heart is always been open to me, this is the first time you will to be ready for your life to change. His words stunned me. I considered my faults outside the temple doors. Change? I'm hardly able to famine the words change. How? His motions towards the gate. My jaw drops as languishing dressed woman appears, as if I'm seeing through a window of time, witnessing my future reflection. I take in the brown, in the dark, in the dark, bright, hair beneath it, her tiara, tiara. her doe brown eyes, her tawny brown skin. Who is she? But I have a feeling I already know. Her name is Katinlia. Katinlin. She is your birth mother. I hope my arms around myself, despite expecting this answer. Something flickering in the back of my mind, or vaguely recall, being furious by parents, but I can't remember why. Cataline, Cataline. Cataline. Now waves of this beige skin beige to waves to beige skinned brunette man outside the garden. He smiled he's also dressed in silky clothes wearing a cow and he smiled back with her at her with his blue eyes. Revealing his dimples, he holds out his white rose like flower to her. I put you in an army. Kathleen brings them greets the man with a kiss. Is it's that I glance towards the arrow bringer, but he knows my stomach flip-flops. I'm seeing both my bird parents. I immediately sees a strong desire to speak with them. Thank you, Bedadim. It's beautiful. She hails her honey scent. I just come to the temple. I was all giving thanks to the arrow bringer. Bedadim's smile immediately vanishes again. What has he ever done for us? Bedina? Cataline? glances around and then lowers her voice. Shush! What if someone hears you talking like this? What of Cataline? He waves off her, her concerns. What have I... What have I... to show my faith? You have grown more ill. We have served the Arab all these years, and yet he did not grant your one request. Even the Arab doesn't exist, or he's dead. Better than storms out of the garden in a huff. Catalina drops the Adamini as she tears, tears after him, both of them arguing as they disappear in the night. I sink into the bench. 
Now, with my birth parents are gone, reality was happening overwhelmed me. Hundred questions swallowed my mind. I'm not ready to know the answers. Do mum and dad know? Your parents you loved are feeling well, but no longer. I jerked my head up. Why wouldn't they tell me? The airbring is staring off into the distance. He's furrowed. His oppression banishes any betrayal I might have felt. Whatever the brain bringing us these matters, far more. You don't bring me here just to tell me where I come from. He shakes his head. I did not. Then why? Why are you telling me this? He turns to me. Anthony is going to struggle. I come to ask you to help to save it. Me? I said to him, why me? Why, how could I possibly do? What could I possibly do? If you're willing, I can work through you. And when these events will not occur, what events? The arrow bring up motions to a portion of the sky. Behold, suddenly the world shifts so violently as grabs the sides of the bench. I watch the time flies forward as the sun rises and sets. One day passes, heavy darkness sets upon the world, and we reach the evening of the second. It's pouring down rain and thunder, lightning explodes in the sky. Cold shiver go, goes through me as bended him once again. Enters the garden, stumble lines. The contours of cheekbones, the dark shadows hang under his eyes. In his hand he carries a golden arrow, which is a shocking copy of the one in the pillow. I don't know what comes over me. My instinct is a wrestle of fake arrow from him. A paradness that arranges me. With one swift motion, Benjamin grows hold of the true golden arrow. One hand slams his false arrow in its place. Immediately he cries out and drops the real arrow. His, ha- his hand barely burnt. Without hesitation, he snatches up again, igniting his smoking flesh. He glares at the heavens. This is killing my daughter. My stomach lurches. He snaps the arrow across my, his knee, throwing the broken pieces around. He spits them before disappearing into the darkness of the night. The result is immediate. A blistering wind blasts through the Athenia. Carrying the pillow of death, a chilling roar erupts, filled by the smell of rotting fish, a f- horrifying, tremendous black dragon with blazing crimson eyes plunges from the sky. It opens its mouth, it reaches the garden, swallowing both pieces of the garden, arrow before vanishing. Then the screaming starts. I clap my hands over my ears as one scream resounds above all others, reflecting tense, scrutinizing pain. And that's how I know I have to stop this. I have a responsibility to protect Athenia. But didn't. Don't. Then I'm just as guilty as Benedum. I sense the golden arrow's hand on my shoulder. We're back in the present. I rise secretly, knowing I believe him. But I, uh, but I owe him any lead, my leaders. He would ask anyone to do this, but he chose me. He wouldn't be asking unless it was important. How can I stop this? Here, our brain stuttered me. If you come, come to an Athena, better them. We've put, we've repented his intentions. Your presence will mend his heart, restore his faith, as well as the faith of many. I nod memory, still processing everything. Who are, who was Bedlam talking about? Did he mention his daughter? Was he talking about me? Does he think I'm dead? He was referring to his sister. She died from the same disease plaguing you. In such a what? If like the wind. 
knocked out of me. Somehow I've forgotten about I have cancer. I collapsed in the bench, wishing I returned to to when I bought this was when I thought this was a dream. I grabbed a weapon myself for several minutes in my heart. I know the right choice since I witnessed the vision to help Avenia, no matter what it meant to me, until I remembered I'm dying. I cannot abandon my family the way Katina Bendham abandoned me. Not when I, I might never make it home. I have chosen. Then I have to live with my decision. I'm sorry I chose my closed my eyes because I can't bear to look at the arrow finger. I can't. I will get the words immediately, but don't take them back. I open my eyes again. I'm lying awake in a bed. I toss and turn. It's the night, haunted by nightmares of broken arrows, screams of dragons. When I awaken, I know there are two unthinkable mistakes. First is refuting Arabringer and betraying Alphenia. Second is knowing what, what I... The first, when I woke I know there's two unforgivable mistakes. The first is knowing the Arabringer and betraying Alphenia. Second is knowing what I've done, and yet not doing anything about it. You've been listening to a preview of the book, The Arrowbringer, by Lisa Mayer.